Hi everyone. I hope you're enjoying online church. Uh, it's getting exciting now as we head towards uh, meeting in person as well. So it won't be long now, so keep on, stay strong. Um, Jesus was nearing the end of his earthly ministry. He's heading towards Jerusalem and he's about to be nailed to the cross to give his life for us. Um, but in those last couple of weeks, he starts to share with his disciples something very important. Uh, this is the last moment that he's got to share with them, to teach them, to leave them with something. I just want you to imagine he's, he's walking along the road and, and there he sees a, a big tree and he stops underneath the tree to talk to his disciples. And he calls over one of the little children. He puts a child in the middle around them and he's talking and he gives them this lesson. So I'd like to take a couple of moments and read with you uh, and see what Jesus was saying to those disciples. And how can we apply that to our lives? So let's pick up the story in Luke chapter 17, verse 1 through to verse 10. Jesus said to his disciples, Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. But woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or your sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostle said to the Lord, Oh Lord, increase our faith. He replied, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, and the original says sycamore tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will the master say to his servant when he comes in from the field, Come along now and sit down and eat? No, rather he would say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, you should say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. We've only just done our duty. Jesus is talking in this passage about forgiveness and how it is important for us to forgive. But he starts off in verse 1 saying to his disciples, It is impossible that no offense should come, but woe to him through whom it comes. It's impossible. Offense is going to come. It's not, you can't be immune to this. You can't escape it. Offense hurts are going to come to us. You know, I was reading this week about the pandemic, and uh, as most of us have been, and the pain that has been caused by the pandemic and the hurts that people have experienced. Um, this was recorded in the British Journal of Psychiatry. 7% of children under 17 years old have attempted suicide. 25% of children have done self-harming in this last year, and experts believe that this could even rise. But even amongst the adults, we've experienced job losses, financial insecurity, uh, reduced income, loss of liberties and intense policing and lockdown in your homes 24-7. And not to mention the mental and emotional bombardment that we have on our mental health and even our futures and our safety that we have. Some of these things that have happened to us over the last 12 months has caused hurts. We, we, it starts to build up resentment. And I've noticed in my own life how sometimes I get really angry and I start to snap at the least little thing because I, I, I'm frustrated and, and I'm starting to harbor and resentment and the Lord's dealing with me in these areas and say, no, Wayne, you shouldn't be doing that. You, you need to release them and let them go. But what about people? 
family and friends, they too can have hurt us. Maybe even going back into your childhood and your past, people have said things that have wounded you, caused great harm. You remember that saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Well, that is so wrong. It's, it's just not true. Words can and do hurt us. In fact, I would say they might hurt us more than sometimes sticks and stones. Maybe friends or family have hurt you. Maybe you've been raped or incensed or character assassination. Maybe you've just been rejected by others or maybe even in small groups you've been mocked and that causes hurt and resentment in us. But I was thinking even as we're heading back towards church and meeting, maybe you feel a bit hurt by even the church and people in the church. You know, you might have felt the church should be open when I needed it and it was actually closed. Or maybe the church and leaders haven't responded quickly enough to your need. Maybe somebody has misread your intentions and what you wrote and, and they've criticized you. Maybe you feel isolated and hurt. Maybe the pastors haven't reacted quickly enough or we phoned you personally. And I think a big one for us is maybe you're feeling a bit of resentment because technology, online church and Zoom meetings have been thrust on you and you have no choice but to watch this and get involved with all this technology. What's the result then of all these different things? We can start to develop these deep wounds and these hurts inside of us. And left unchecked, they're going to turn into unforgiveness and even bitterness is going to grow in. And here Jesus is actually speaking about that. The whole text, this whole passage that we're reading is all about unforgiveness and forgiving one another and not allowing bitterness in our lives. Well, what can we do to overcome this? Some of us have tried things, and I, I, I for one, have tried this uh, early on last year. I tried, and I just allowed myself to eat. Well, just because of stress, I just ate and ate and ate and ate, and I ballooned. Overeating isn't the solution. Maybe some people have tried to overexercise, or some of us have just buried ourselves in work, and you become a workaholic, trying to just make the hurts go away. Maybe some people have turned to excessive drinking, and possibly even taking drugs and recreational drugs. You know, we're all crying out saying, don't touch me, I'm hurting. But it's all deep inside. We don't say it verbally, but that is somehow what we're feeling inside. You know, in the New King James Version, verse 1 says, it is impossible that no offense should come. The NRV says, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. The Passion Translation says, betrayals are inevitable. Snares and traps to entice sin are sure to come, the Amplified says. And the New Living Translation says, there will always be temptations to sin. I want us to carry on reading, just jump down a couple of verses, because Jesus is talking in the context here of unforgiveness and bitterness that grows up inside of us. And I want you to put yourself in the picture of, in the position where those disciples would have been. In Luke chapter 17, in verse 5, the apostles say, Lord, increase our faith. Well, just back up a little bit. Why would they have said, Lord, increase our faith? I want you to just imagine for a second. Imagine those disciples looking at each other. And it wasn't just one. They all said it. It's the apostles. The whole a lot of them would say, Lord, increase our faith. You asking me to forgive 70 times or seven times in a day? In Matthew's gospel, it says 70 times seven. It's still a large number. In those days, the religious leaders were preaching that you would do well if you could forgive somebody three times. And here, someone had said, Peter had said in Matthew's gospel, said, Lord, I have decided to forgive seven times. Wow, aren't I good? And he's kind of proud of himself. And Jesus says, 70 times seven. And here in this, in Luke's gospel, it just says seven times a day. Maybe they said it for this reason. Lord, do you know 
that how hurt I am. I have left all to be with you. I have left mothers and fathers to come and join you. When I walk through my village, I'm despised and spat at. The religious leaders of the day, they don't even want to talk to me anymore. I've, I'm an outcast now because I'm following you and you want me to forgive them? I'm not sure I can do that. You're going to have to increase my faith if you want me to forgive. Maybe we can say the same thing about us. I've lost a good friend to COVID, you might say. I've lost my job. I've had a reduced income. I carry the past pains of abuse, rejection, the constant criticism and betrayal and gossiping regarding my situation. And I get it all the time. And you asking me to forgive, Wayne? Oh, I'm not sure I can do that. And maybe today, like the disciples, you're crying and say, Lord, if you want me to forgive seven times every single day or 70 times seven, you're going to have to increase my faith. Well, Jesus gives us an answer. It's in Luke chapter 17 and verse 6. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to the sycamine tree, now your translation might put there a mulberry tree, and I'll explain why in a little later. Be pulled up by the roots and planted into the sea, and it will obey you. Jesus, I imagine, was sitting under this big tree with a little child there, and he was talking to his disciples. And this was a sycamine tree, or a sycamore tree, the same kind of tree that Zacchaeus would have climbed up. Now, you need to know that these trees are similar to mulberry. They, mulberry tree, sycamine tree are all in the same family. So that's why the translations use the two words interchangeably. Jesus might have looked and pointed to the tree and said, you know what? Unforgiveness is a little bit like this tree. And he might have picked some of the fruit hanging from the tree. And he would have said to his disciples and explained to them this little parable here, this story. This wasn't a physical, oh, you can speak to a tree and physically do some landscaping and move the tree and plant it into a sea someplace. No, this was talking about emotional. This was talking about inside of us, how we can deal with unforgiveness and bitterness. You know, when I was researching this sycamine tree, and I just wanted to show you a picture of one or two, um, they both come from the same, uh, um, the, the same class family. And these three types of trees that we get in this family, you, you get the normal fig tree that we're very use, uh, used to. It's called the ficus carica tree. Then we have the tree called the mulberry tree, which are the little berries that we are very familiar with, and sweet fruit. And uh, then we get the the sycamore tree or the sycamine tree. This is the called the uh, ficus sycamorus tree. I hope I'm pronouncing all this right. I'm sure some of the people who are into the gardening will help me out with this. These two trees look the same, very similar. They, had, they were big, big branches. You could climb in them. But the significant difference was in their fruit. You see, the sycamine tree or the sycamore tree produced a fig-like fruit. It wasn't a berry like the mulberry. Same family, but different type of fruit. The sycamine tree produced a fruit that was very bitter to eat. A little bit like this lemon that I've got. I don't have a sycamine fig to eat, but I do have this delicious lemon. Oh, I can smell the lemon juice. Mm. Oh my goodness, it gets you right. Oh, that's how exactly that. Oh, wait, wait I've got to get over this. Give me a second. My goodness. Uh, gee, there's no ways I could eat this all in one sitting. And the same applied to the, the, the sycamine fig. 
you couldn't eat it in one going, one sitting. The rich folk used to eat the natural fig, the one that we used to, or, or the blueberries or the, the, the mulberries. But the poorer people would eat this the sycamine fig, which was bitter to taste. You couldn't eat it in one sitting. So what they used to do was they take a little bit and then they put it down and they'd wait. And then maybe a little bit later they come back and they'd have a little bit more. And by breaking it up over a period of time, keep coming back and eating it. You could actually have the fruit and, and sustain yourself. And Jesus is looking at this fruit, possibly picking it off the tree and saying, unforgiveness is a little bit like this fruit. When we continually think of our offense, you see, it's going to come. When we dwell on it and we meditate, it's bitter. Oh, mm, that's not good. But we keep coming back and we keep on devouring it and results in bitterness forming and unforgiveness. So there's a process that's happening. We get an offense or we get hurt by something and we meditate on it. We keep coming back to eat it and the bitterness taste, but we keep coming back to devour this. And so unforgiveness comes into our hearts. At the end, a perpetual nibbling on this poisonous fruit or this bitter fruit of unforgiveness will actually make us bitter and will sour us towards people around us. The second thing I want you to know about this sycamine tree was that it was pollinated by wasps. It wasn't naturally pollinated. Wasps had to do the job for it. So the process was this, a wasp would come along and he would shove his stinger right into the heart of the fruit, right into the center. And that's how he would pollinate the fruit. Well, you've heard these sayings, I'm sure. Have you ever heard someone saying, I've been stung by that person. I'm not going to get stung again. Or maybe someone else has said, wow, he hurt me so badly. I'll never get close to him again so I can get stung one more time. Yeah, that's exactly how this fruit grew and multiplied by the stinger. You see, when the stinger comes into our hearts and we get stung inside, that becomes the root. That's where it starts to fester and to grow bitterness and unforgiveness. The wasp, though, would also lay its eggs inside the heart of the fruit. And one of the pictures there, you could see all the little babies, those little black babies growing out. You see, have you noticed when somebody has got an offense in their heart, when they're battling with unforgiveness and bitterness, what happens? They have to tell somebody else. It multiplies. And the first thing they do is they tell somebody else, you know what they did to me? And you tell your story over and finally you start to multiply the offense and it impacts on other people as well. That is the danger of unforgiveness and bitterness in your life. The third thing, if you look at these beautiful trees, is their root structure. Oh my goodness, the, the sycamine tree had one of the deepest uh, root systems in the whole of the Middle East. You see, very dry, arid region. So the temperature variations would be high. Hot in the day, cold at night. But because the root system was so deep, it could get nourishment and water from deep down below the earth's surface. That's just like it is with bitterness. You could chop down a sycamine tree at its base. But a couple of weeks later, it would be sprouting again because the root system was still down deep, getting nourishment from the earth. That's just like what happens with bitterness and unforgiveness in our lives. Oh, we can try and rip at the leaves and we can try and pull it and break it. May we pray a prayer, God, take away all the unforgiveness in my heart and the bitterness inside. But a couple of days later, a week later, that bitterness is back because the root goes right down deep.
Jesus is saying to us, when we nibble on that fruit, when we start to take the offense, when we start to meditate on it over and over and over and rerun it, midnight reruns at the movies, when we keep on doing that, bitterness goes deep down into our heart and it's very hard to eradicate. You know, the Middle East is also known for its dry conditions. It doesn't always rain there. Isn't that the same that we can experience with people? When you're battling with bitterness and unforgiveness, it so often comes when there's a lack of the moisture and the rain of the Holy Spirit, when people haven't received the love and the forgiveness of Jesus themselves. The last thing, and the most probably the most scary thing about the sycamine tree, is that because it could grow in absolutely any environment, it was readily available, and they used to make caskets. It was the favorite wood to make coffins. Man, it doesn't matter where you're from. I tell you what, it, because it's all over the place. You see bitterness and unforgiveness, the fruit of it, being stung, being hurt, whether it comes from politics, where it comes from family, for the church, it doesn't matter. Friends, it doesn't matter. All of us will get exposed to hurt, and, but it could turn into bitterness and can result in death. Oh, we don't want to be exposing ourselves to that. Yes, the, it grew very quickly, the tree. Sycamine trees grew fast. So again, it's easily available. Do you know how quickly something can turn into bitterness in our heart if we leave it and we don't deal with it quickly? Jesus is teaching his disciples a lesson here. Guys, when you have a hurt in your life, when someone offends you, you need to forgive. Be quick to forgive. I saw this quote some years back from Professor Vorst at Montreal University and was recorded in the, the Daily Mail in 2011. Bitterness may forecast patterns of, bi of biological dysregulation, can affect metabolism, immune system, organ function, and even lead to physical disease. We don't want to be tolerating unforgiveness and bitterness in our lives. But then what's the solution? What did Jesus tell us to do? Oh, he's telling us that we need to forgive. Listen to these words in, uh, that Jesus said in uh, Luke 17, verse 3. He said, if he sins against you, forgive him. Let me think about that. He didn't say, if he sins against you, consider it. He didn't say, oh man, if, if you find it in your heart or you're feeling better, then you forgive him. No, he said, forgive him. Paul the Apostle in Colossians 3 verse 13 says, Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must also forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Again, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted and forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave you. We have a command and an instruction we have to forgive. Now, listen, when they were saying 70 times 7 or 7 times a day, I don't think this is where Jesus is expecting us to count 1, 2, 3. That's it. One more time and I've now got permission. I'll slap you. No, no, no. It wasn't that. Remember the parable that he told afterwards about uh, the guy who was working in the field or looking after sheep. And after he's worked all day, even after he comes back at the end of the day and he's tired, the master still says, now go and cook my supper. And, and then do the dishes, and then you can sit down. And he doesn't even thank him, because that's what's expected. 
Jesus puts that parable with this one and the story about forgiveness together. You see, after we've done everything and we've forgiven and we've been so kind and they still hurt us, we still have to. It's the least that we can do because God has forgiven us. We still got to forgive others. We need to forgive. It's not a matter of counting how many times. It's a way of attitude. It's quick. I, I think one of the best ways to avoid this fruit becoming bitter in your life and growing and multiplying and getting stung by it and putting your six feet under and allowing it to get these deep roots in your life is to forgive quickly. The second somebody hurts you, offense comes, immediately say, I'm letting go, like a balloon, I let it go, that's it. I'm not gonna dwell on it, it's over. Even if they don't repent, even if they didn't come and say they're sorry, even if you don't feel like it, even if they hurt you, I'm letting go. And, and if you do it quickly and instantaneously, then it never gets a chance to develop those deep roots and, and put them deep into your soul and cause so much hurt and so much pain. Would you join me this week and make it a focus point? If someone offends you, let it go. If the pandemic has offended you or something has happened, let it go. If families and friends, even going back decades ago, if they offended or hurt you, let it go. If the church or home groups and small groups, leaders, pastors, doesn't matter who, if someone is offended, let it go. You know, in the kingdom of God, there is the inverse principle. The inverse. What's the inverse principle? Well, it's simple. Jesus says, do the opposite. Listen to this. If the world says hate, God says love. When the world says, it's mine, it's mine, give it to me, it's mine. The kingdom says, give it away. When the world says you've been hurt, fight back. God says, turn the other cheek. When the world says, cancel you out. God says, don't. Love them. You're cancelling each other out. Oh, it's so easy to do that. On social media now, simply unlike you, you just, just don't exist anymore. We don't talk to you anymore. People cancel each other out and you suddenly be just come, you, it's almost like you disappear. God doesn't say we cancel people out. God says, cancel their sin out and forgive them. God says simply, forgive them. Oh, but Wayne, what they did to me really hurt me. They are wrong, not me. I'm not the one who did the wrong. They're the one who did the wrong. It, it's not me. Can I just say something here? When you forgive somebody, it does not make what they did right. It makes you right. I'll say it again. When you forgive somebody, it doesn't make what they did to you or how they hurt you correct. It doesn't fix it. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't excuse them. They will, just like Jesus was saying, woe to them who causes offense. But when you forgive, it makes you right. You're the one who can have freedom from that bitter fruit in your life. You're the one who can get rid of those deep roots in your heart of bitterness and unforgiveness and stop multiplying it to others. I want us to pray together. I'm sure all of us, the Holy Spirit challenges us, can think of times where we've been hurt and maybe we've allowed it to start bearing fruit in our lives. Fruit that is mm, bitter. Can we just pray? Lord Jesus, you were telling your disciples to forgive. And I'm challenged today as I think of areas in my own life where I've been hurt. People have said things 
People have done things and it wasn't true and it wasn't right. It was very unkind of them to do it. But Lord, I'm choosing today to let it go. I'm choosing to give them to you and say, here Lord, take it. I give you those hurts. I'm not holding on any longer. I choose to forgive. And I know it doesn't make them right. Maybe they've even passed away and, they, and they, they don't even, they're not even walking on the earth anymore. So I, I can't speak to them. But Lord, I choose right now to forgive. I let it go. Holy Spirit, would you help me this week? Would you help me every single time it rises up in my mind and I think about let it go? Every time, would you give me the strength because you know I'm battling with this? I ask this in your wonderful name that you'll help me. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. All you have to do when someone hurts you or you remember it or you think about it, just, no, I'm letting go. If someone reminds you, and our brother, they're going to remind you this week, somebody's going to phone you, someone's, do you remember when aunt, aunt this one and aunt that one did that or said that and, and there it comes up, no, I've chosen to let go. I, I'm not dwelling on it. I refuse to think about it. I'm not going there. I'll let it go. I have chosen to forgive.